This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's new online course for navigating crisis as a leader, Leading Through Crisis. You can learn more at leadtowin slash crisis. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're going to tell you how to beat the primary challenge that every leader faces in achieving their vision, the resistance. This is like a giant spoiler alert. (laughs) You are going to face resistance. If you have a big vision, you're going to face resistance. And that's because creating a better future isn't easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it, which of course they're not. So when you're pursuing a big vision, you're going to have resistance pop up in a number of places. For example, it could be somebody or several people inside your organization who are really resisting you. They're actually trying to block your progress. That doesn't always happen, but sometimes it happens. Um, It could be resistance outside of your organization. You know, not everybody wants your industry to be disrupted in the way that you do. You could have critics and naysayers and maybe even be publicly ridiculed. There's also kind of environmental resistance. Those are the gremlins that seem to affect every project, like the cost overruns and delays and market changes and lack of capital. You can also have resistance inside yourself. And that's one of the hardest Mm -hmm. uh, kinds of resistance to deal with, but it definitely comes up. Honestly, all whether you have one of these things or all four of the, the types that I mentioned, you're going to wonder at some point in the pursuit of a big vision, is it even worth it? You know, it can be really discouraging. It can be. And today we're going to show you how to solve that problem. And I've identified three essential tools that you can leverage to beat the resistance. But first, let's bring Larry on. Hey, Larry. Hi. Great to be here. Larry, I'm glad that we don't have to count you among one of the hard resistors in our company. We don't yeah. actually have any hard resistors. No, we, we don't. don't. <laughs> in fact, that's what I was going to say. You know, as I read the the book, which just came out last week, The Vision Driven Leader, and I was reading the book and about resistance, like, I, we don't see that around here because everybody's so bought in to what we're doing. But obviously, you've led in different contexts, both of you. Tell me about where you have experienced Resistance. Well, I just want to say that resistance is not always a bad thing. You can reframe it. You know, the resistance that an airplane gets to the way the wings are designed is exactly what creates lift. So not all resistance is bad. In fact, I would say that it's a necessary component that refines the vision and makes it possible to go faster and bigger than you thought possible at the beginning. But let me give you an example. We came up with this idea of the full focus planner, and I can remember thinking to myself, this was kind of internal resistance, really, we're going to get back into publishing because that kind of been my background. Several people in the company had been involved in publishing, and we had this beautiful, highly profitable online business. So initially, I had this internal resistance, like a physical product, we're going to take on inventory. I mean, that's going to cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars, all the hassles of distribution and fulfillment and all that. So I had a lot of internal resistance. Then when we announced it, I started getting all this pushback. So people said to me, you know, it's 2017. That's when we first published it. As though, you know, we got all these digital tools now and this felt like a, like a huge throwback to the past. And, you know, maybe I was, you know, being a Luddite for publisher and an analog planner. But that was that was real resistance because I don't like being made fun of. But I thought, no, there's really something to this. This is really important. But it helped me to refine the reasons why we were doing it and to go deep into the research and rediscover 
exactly what benefit this was going to have over a digital solution. Well, today we're going to show you the three essential tools that you can leverage to beat resistance to your vision. And tool number one is tenacity. Tenacity is one of those things that is critical to the achievement of any vision. Because again, you're going to get the resistance and almost immediately, almost when you commit it to paper and begin to visualize it, you're going to encounter the resistance either internally or externally. So one of the things that I knew when I started this business and back then, you know, it was just basically me and I was going to write a book that was going to help me accomplish my vision because I knew that if I had a book and I knew if I had a best-selling book, that that book would be a huge help in launching my speaking platform, in drawing attention to the business, in getting, you know, consulting clients and all the rest. But as I started, it was really difficult in writing that book. And I began to encounter the resistance internally. I can remember putting together the first draft of the manuscript. I was a month late in getting it done. And I thought, oh, part of it was I just procrastinating. Part of it was I was busy out on the road speaking. But when I finished that first draft, I remember thinking to myself, this is terrible. You know, this sucks. I mean, I, I don't know how to sugarcoat it. I just thought this is not any good. And I gave it to the editor and I said, well, here it is. It's a month late. And to be honest, I don't think it's very good. And so I wanted to give up. I, I literally thought maybe I should give the advance money back to the publisher and try something else. Thankfully, I had a very kind editor who said, no, let me go to work on it. I think this is going to be fine. And so she went to work on it and produced the manuscript. And when I got it back, I thought, this is better than I thought. But it was that resistance, that resistance to quit before I'd really barely begun. And I think that's sort of emblematic of what everybody encounters when they pursue a vision. There's going to be something that usually happens at the beginning that's going to, that's going to make you want to quit. But tenacity is the secret to overcoming that, just staying with it. And the thing that got me to stay with it in the midst of that was refocusing on the vision. And thankfully, I'd written down all the reasons why that book was important, all the things I hoped to accomplish with it. It made me continue with the project when I wanted to quit. Don't you think, too, that the bigger your vision and maybe even the more important it is, the more resistance you're going to face? Totally. I mean, I think sometimes we feel like maybe the resistance is telling us that we're doing the wrong thing. Like, what does it mean? Is it is it an early indicator that I'm on the wrong track? And that is like kind of what's sneaky about it, you know, and um, really insidious is that it can undermine our confidence and cause us to give up. But in reality, it's the opposite. It's usually indicative that what we're pursuing really matters. Well, nothing important goes unopposed. And Stephen Pressfield, as we've noted on this show a few times before, wrote a great book called The War of Art, which is all about overcoming the resistance. In fact, he's really written three books in that series about overcoming resistance, which if you're an artist or a creator of any kind, it's really important to read. If you're a CEO, it's a really important Yeah, I was going to say, if you're an entrepreneur, it's really critical. Has there ever been a time when you decided that sticking with a vision wasn't the right thing to do? You actually gave up on a vision? Did the resistance ever get that tough? Yeah, I think that's the challenging thing is to know the difference. You know, Seth Godin wrote a book on that called The Dip. You know, how do you know when you're kind of, you can read your circumstances and it's just not a good project, it's just not worth pursuing. And I can think of when we created Your Best Year Ever, we were so excited about that. We created the course, Five Days to Your Best Year Ever. And we thought the natural segue to that, because we had people asking for it, was to create that leader's edition of it. And I think we may have talked about that on the show in the past, but we were so enthusiastic about it. We filmed the entire series 
We put together the workbook. We created a beautiful sales page. We went to launch it and it was crickets. We got one order, you know, (laughs) big campaign, all that. I mean, we thought there had to be something wrong technologically. There's no way we could only have one order, but that was the truth. We only had one order. Well, that was a situation where we said, you know, this is not just the resistance. This is just a bad idea. But kind of to my point earlier about the resistance kind of being, you know, the thing that gives you lift. It was from that that we developed our live event the uh, five days to your best year ever live event, which was a huge success for our company. We realized that, yeah, people wanted to train their teams, but they wanted to bring their teams to us, not do it themselves. Well, Megan, you lead a team of leaders and your team must face this kind of resistance too and have moments when they feel like, I just don't know if this vision is worth it. Mm -hmm. What do you do to pass on this tenacity to the people that work with you? Well, I think there's an important distinction between tenacity um, in your commitment to your vision and a willingness to change strategy. So sometimes what really needs to happen is you need to change your strategy, which is not the abandonment of your vision. It's just it's your, your strategy for accomplishing it. And I think that is helpful. You know, we we kind of go through a conversation about that. You know, is the strategy the thing that we need to adjust? How else could we accomplish this vision? And usually that is what enables them to stick with the vision. Very occasionally, we'll let something go. But mostly, it's an issue of strategy, not an issue of vision. I think we have to be alert to that, though, because if we confuse those two things, they can feel the same and we can kill the wrong thing. So tool number one in overcoming resistance to your vision, whether internal, external, or environmental, is tenacity. Develop a strong conviction about your vision and stick with it. Tool number two is integrity. This happened to us actually when we launched the Full Focus Planner. So, you know, we have as a part of our vision script, the the document that really contains all the components of our vision that you talk about, Dad, in the Vision Driven Leader. You know, we have a vision for how we treat our customers, that we want to create a wow customer experience that lives kind of under the marketing section of the vision script. And that means that we take total ownership of the experience that our customers and our clients have, that, that the, the, the end-to-end experience is our responsibility to make excellent well, in 2017, when we launched the Full Focus Planner, we created a pre-order campaign for that, had many, many people a part of that. I mean, it was it was way more successful than we planned on. But as it became time to deliver on the date that we had promised, there was an issue with the fulfillment. And uh, I don't even remember the specifics of what went wrong. But at the time, it was like, oh, shoot, we are going to miss the, the day that we said we were going to deliver these. I and think it was a manufacturing deadline on the one hand. And then there was also some a, kind of shipping issue. Yeah, some kind of shipping issue. Too. Yeah, and those two things together, I, I want to say we were at least a week or two past the the date that we had promised, and that's the key word: promised our customers. We ended up deciding to expedite the shipping for uh, those planners at our expense, and it cost us about forty thousand dollars. Something we didn't technically have to do. I mean, it was you could say, well, it wasn't your fault, you know. But the truth is, as a matter of integrity, we had taken responsibility for the experience that our customers had, and we, you know, that was part of our vision. And so we decided to make that uh, investment really in our vision and in our integrity for the sake of our customers, and it was hard. It was hard, you know, and I think that it's not unusual. It's happened to me a couple times, but when you have a vision, there's always the temptation to to somehow, 
you know, create a shortcut, somehow compromise your integrity, you know, and you can do it in, in small ways. I mean, we live in a world of compromise and people say, well, you know, it's a little bit of a gray area. We didn't really promise that, or we didn't get it in writing, but the promise you make to your customer, the promise, if nothing else that you make to yourself about achieving that vision, you know, you really don't want to compromise that your integrity, maintaining your integrity is important. And oftentimes the thing I've seen again is that in maintaining your integrity, that becomes the lift that drives the vision forward. So for us, I think, you know, it proved to our team, it proved to our customers that we were serious about this vision related to their customer experience. So we were willing to to reach into our own pockets, even if it meant $40,000 we didn't anticipate spending in order to make good on our word. And that's really what integrity is, making good on our word. That's right. This is where a vision is so critical because if you don't have a vision, these decisions are really tough. Like where where do you exercise quote unquote integrity? You know, where do you hold the line? But if you have a vision that clearly articulates who you say that you are and what you're pursuing, when when the you know real situations pop up and you're making decisions about your customer experience or your products or what kind of marketing you're willing to engage in, it becomes clear really quickly what's in alignment and what's congruent with who you've said you are in your vision and what's not. This goes back to my publishing days, but I had a vision when I was trying to turn a division of Thomas Nelson around that I had made to the team. Part of the vision was how I took care of the team and how I prioritized them. But almost immediately, we had an author who was just ugly, terrible to work with. And in fact, he mistreated some of the people in our uh, design team. And I had the head of my design come in in tears and just say that he, he, she recounted to me what this author had said to one of her designers. And it was completely inappropriate, you know, harassment. When I say harassment, I don't mean sexual harassment. I just mean he was being rude. He was a jerk and just completely out of line. Well, I had a choice right then. I could basically say, you know, well, the customer's always right, you know, because in a sense, the authors are the customers of the publisher. The customer's always right. The authors are always right. We want to keep this guy happy. So just kind of suck it up. And I'm sorry that happened, but, you know, go back to your workstation and, you know, forge ahead. But I didn't because it really ticked me off. I mean, I, I honestly can take a lot of mistreatment myself, but don't mess with my people. So I called this guy up and I said, uh, look, and it, and as things sometimes happen, I had his contract on my desk to sign it. We were fast-tracking this project, and I was not yet in a contract with him. So I said to him, I said, look, I've got this contract to sign, and I'm about to not sign it because of the way that you treated one of my designers. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to call her up on the phone, and you're going to apologize, and you're going to make this right. Otherwise, I'm not going to sign this contract. So he did. So he called her up. He apologized. It meant the world to the woman who received the apology, and it also meant the world to her boss, who was the one that came in and complained to me. Now, unfortunately, I think that I probably kind of coerced that behavior on the part of the author, because after that event, he reverted to being kind of his old self, you know, which was basically a jerk. And, and so I ultimately had to fire him. You know, there was another incident where he treated one of our publicists even worse than he had treated the designer. And I called him up and I said, look, I said, I just want you to know that this is the last conversation you're going to ever have with me. I said, uh, we did we did publish the one book. It's out there in the wild, but we're done working with you. I am not doing the next book, and we're going to cancel the contract. And I hung up on him. True story. I thought to myself, what have I done? And I thought, I'm going to be in so much trouble with the agent. So I called his agent, made the next phone call to his agent. I said, 
His name was Tom. I said, Tom, I said, um, look, here's what I just did. And I, I kind of feel badly about it, but I, I fired him. And he said, you know, it's about time somebody did. I'm going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I think when we live by our, our values and we refuse to compromise our integrity, not only does it prove the vision to our team, but I think it also gives other people the courage to follow through and act with integrity too. Sometimes people know the right thing to do and they just need somebody kind of, you know, even if they're doing it in fear to go first. And then it gives everybody the inspiration they need to, to live an integrous life. So tool number one for overcoming resistance to your vision was tenacity. Tool number two, integrity. Let's talk about tool number three, courage. Yeah, so vision begins with the burst of inspiration. You get inspired, people join in the emotion, it's exciting, but here comes the resistance. You get buried in whatever it is, cost projections, timelines, design issues, and the how starts to smother the why. And you can begin to see the momentum slipping and the vision begins to slip out of sight as well. And if, as the leader, if you don't act, the vision is going to die. And that's the moment that calls for courage. You know, I've had a story like, well, I've actually had many stories like this in my life that have been a moment where I had to exercise courage in service of the vision. And one of the most profound, which I've talked about quite a few times now on the podcast and elsewhere, was my fear of public speaking. And, you know, there came a point where I knew that what was necessary for the achievement of our vision long term was for me to step into a more public role that I was going to literally and figuratively have to step on stage. And unbeknownst to everybody else, I had a lifelong fear of public speaking, like totally debilitating, had avoided it in, you know, some pretty um, unbelievable ways. And I finally decided, though, that no matter what, come hell or high water, I was going to finally beat this fear. Because I was tired of my fear holding me back from what I knew was possible personally, but also what I knew would hold the company back and our vision back if I wasn't brave. So I decided to be courageous. And I think it's important to say as someone who I feel like struggles with anxiety and, you know, all kinds of fear on a regular basis, that courage never feels brave. No. You know, like like bravery, the, that feeling of confidence is the reward for doing the brave thing, for, for being courageous. You don't ever get like a, a little, you know, package of courage before you have to go do the brave thing. I, I wish that wasn't true. Um, but personally, to me, that's actually been really freeing to know that when I'm pursuing something big, I'm going to feel scared. And that's just a reflection of how big it is. And it doesn't need to determine my actions. Totally. You know, Dan Sullivan says that courage and confidence look exactly the same from the outside looking in. It's only inside that they feel differently. You know, think, oh, well, that Megan has a lot of confidence. She could step up on stage and give that speech. It was amazing. No, that was courage. That wasn't confidence at all. No. You know, you get the confidence afterward, Dan says, and I think it's a good insight. So our friend and client, Ruth Sukup, has written an entire book on this called Do It Scared that I highly recommend because she goes deep into sort of an analysis of what holds us back. And particularly when it comes to our vision, fear is often the thing that keeps us from moving forward. And it requires courage. You know, if you're going to do anything important, and particularly if you're going to uh, achieve a big, important vision and create that bigger, better future, you've got to be able to screw up the courage when you need it. Were there any hacks, Megan, as you were going through that, that, that you had to do 
Well, many, <laughs> many things. I tried to basically do everything I could think of or anything anybody told me because I was so terrified. I thought, you know, I really need all the help I can get. But I hired a speech coach. I worked with an anxiety coach. I got anxiety medicine from my doctor, which I didn't end up using, but I was really glad to have. I did vis visualization exercises. I practiced extensively. I mean, really everything. I still had a terrible panic attack the day before I gave that speech. Um, it was awful. Um, but then when I got up there, I was totally confident. And it, it, like all the nerves were before once I stepped on stage, it was good. I have spoken since and felt nervous. So it's not like a one and done kind of thing, but it's no longer debilitating. But you know, as I, I think about this issue of courage related to vision, I think where this comes from is that vision is vulnerable. Mm hmm. You know, that when you're connecting with a vision as a leader, you're really connecting with your heart. You're connecting with what you see that is not yet. You're connecting with um, something that you want to enroll other people in that they're not yet enrolled in. All of those things put you in a position of being exposed. And it's important to recognize that because I think the fear comes from that vulnerability. Like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if people are going to get behind you. You don't know what they're going to think. Um, and vulnerability is a real part of leadership that I think we have to sort of make friends with. You know, we're not necessarily going to get comfortable with it, but we have to recognize that it shows up a lot for us and that that's really in play. I think there's something important to highlight in what you said, Megan, which is the tips and tricks that you mentioned about getting on this, getting yourself on the stage those were about managing the fear, mm -hmm. but there was a primary decision. There was definitely that a decision. was related to your vision, and it was kind of taking a stand. I will not yes. give up my vision because of my personal fear. That's right. I mean, I That's I big. really believed. I, I mean, I think that was the catalyst for me. As I said, if I have to die trying, I am not going to let this fear run my life anymore and ultimately keep me from the vision that I'm trying to pursue. I'm, I'm not. I'm done with that. So I don't really care what the outcome is. If I get up on the stage and I'm humiliated and it takes me 10 more times to nail it, you know, which I, not that I wanted that to happen, but I was willing to do that because it, it cost me too much and I could see what it was going to cost our vision in the future for me to not act with courage. I'd like to think that these kinds of things for leaders are one and done. You know, you've got this big moment of crisis where you have to take a stand for the vision. You've got to exercise courage. Whew, got that behind me. I'll never have to do that again. Yeah, I wish that were true. But you have to keep doing this over and over again. This is a, a, a leadership skill that you have to develop. Courage, I'm going to say it again, is a leadership skill. It's not a state of mind. It's not an attitude, but it's a skill that you can develop. And the more you use it, like anything else, like a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger you get at it, the easier you can go, oh yeah, that's that fear thing. I've got to exercise some courage. Okay, here goes. I think that's really heartening because I think when you're in the early stages of exercising courage, you don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, every time it comes up, you think it might kill you and then you get through it. But once you've done that a few times and, you, and you've seen yourself show up, you know, you've seen that I can either make it through it or I'm at my best when I'm under pressure or, you know, you've seen something that felt really vulnerable, be well received, and you have those times to look back on, it does become easier to act with courage over time. So let that be an encouragement to you. If maybe you haven't done it quite so much, it gets easier, even if you still feel scared. Today we've learned there are three tools that any leader can employ to overcome resistance to the vision. Those are tenacity, integrity, and courage. What are your final thoughts today? I would just say that you're going to encounter the resistance. That's just a given. 
And so what you want to do is be prepared for it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't think that there's something must be wrong with your vision if you're encountering the resistance. I mean, certainly take the feedback if you're getting, you know, feedback that can make your vision better. But don't take that as a sign that you're off track. Take that as an opportunity to grow and to refine the vision and to bring it into reality. But you've got to use these three tools to do it. I think at the heart of resistance and the threat of resistance is that our heart is involved. You know, as a leader, one of the most precious things that you have to cultivate is your own heart, because that is what people really connect with. That's what people are going to get behind. Um, it has to be genuine. It has to be um, something that that people see as authentic and true. And I think the resistance threatens to shut that part of us down. And so remember that that's part of what's at stake when you're encountering these obstacles and fight for yourself. You know, really you know, use these steps that we've shared today to keep your heart in a, in a place that you can access it for the sake of your vision and for the sake of your company, because it's vitally important to enrolling people in your future vision. Michael and Megan, I think you've really uh, shattered some stereotypes of what courageous leadership looks like, and it's been a good lesson. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Megan. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's new online course for navigating crisis as a leader, Leading Through Crisis. You can learn more at leadto.win slash crisis.